This is the Daily Dispatch podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan. Today, Dispatch Live is talking to Liam Graham on his perceptions of the 91 conference held in East London on Thursday. Malcolm Charles and Morkel Kincaid, both of 91, question whether it was reality or perception that South Africa was a failing state and that things are not too rosy here. So, accepting that the two gentlemen opened people's eyes wide with disbelief when they said South Africa is doing so well, what has this meant to your clients? What does Invest benefit from all the euphoria that was going around last night because people were buzzed? I think Ted is not anything different to what we've been saying for quite a while, but I think it's always nice to have out-of-timers come in and give positive affirmation. Well, I, I noticed you walking around like a cat that's just had a whole bowl full of cream because you've been saying what they proved almost. Yes, and I think that, I think, you know, as, 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 a, as, a, as a company in their securities and, and, and for our clients, you know, this does offer an opportunity and, and, and people need to, to now step up and, and, and put their money where their mouth is. You know, we, we've always said valuations are very low. And the outlook is, is, is much rosier than people's expectations, and which creates a fantastic uh, concoction for, for, for appreciation in stock prices and in people's portfolios. So for we as a business, it's important that we get out more, we chat to our clients, and we try to encourage them to start to invest more in the local markets. Well, you've got a super base for it, haven't you? Because there must have been 150 investor-type people there last night. No frowns. No, oh God, this has happened. This is ha- uh, people not happy with the cricket, perhaps. <laughs> but, but the reality, as they said, and perceptions are far apart. Yes, absolutely. And I think we've still got to we've still got to beat that drum. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in uh, in, in bright conversation and, and and to pull ourselves down. But you know, it's 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 good. Like old uh, Malcolm Charles pointed out last night. You know, there's a hell of a lot of things that are working and are moving in the right direction. The government's balance sheet is in a more strong position than it was, you know, only three years ago. Uh, and we are moving from strength to strength now. And, you know, the, the conviction that, that, that Cyril and his team uh, and Eskim has shown to try and eradicate load shedding and to really put in place new measures to provide energy for people, I think it's very positive. And I, I think now's the time for people to, to start to benefit from it in their own lifestyles, you know. Valuations are so low that actually a lot of downside is protected. Um, so you know, you're getting in at these levels, you've got an opportunity to really benefit from uh, uh, the good things that we are starting to see come to fruition. And I think that's important. You know, one thing is to just sit back and watch it, but another thing is to say, listen, how do I benefit, and how does my retirement uh, benefit f- from what's going on? And I think we're perfectly placed for that. An amazing stat that came out was about bonds looking at a return of 18% provided Cyril stays in power and a number of other things click into place but that's quite phenomenal um, yes yeah, so remember bonds bonds are made up of several uh, components one is a, is, is, a, is a real interest rate component one is an inflation rate component and one is a risk component and together they give you your overall yield you know, so 
I think the, 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 the point that they were making was the risk component in, uh, in priced into bonds is just too large now. So I think a nine-year, 10-year bond gets you 11% yield. Um, and, and it should be really realistically yielding you a, a, a 9%. You know, so if the bonds increase in price to deliver that 9%, you're getting 15% capital return plus your 10% uh, 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 a yield on it. So you can get close to 20%, you know, quite quickly on those bonds and it's relatively risk-free. Um, you know, and the same can be said for, you know, in the equity market where returns, you know, should be better than bonds because you are taking on a bit, bit more risk. Yeah. But I think ultimately the world is focused on what's the U.S. doing. The U.S. is raising rates. They've got inflation rates they haven't seen since the 80s, uh, and they're trying to come to terms with that. Um, so once the U.S. start to slow down their rate hikes, I think that's going to be the point where South African bonds start to rally, uh, and that's where you'll get your return. If I'm correct, he mentioned that he considered the reserve, was it the Reserve Bank governor? the best in the world, and he said the um, budget was the best that he's seen since 2008 or whatever. Yes. Do you concur with that? Absolutely. I think our Reserve Bank has, you know, uh, not only with the current uh, governor, but all the previous governors have been superb. Um, you know, obviously Dave Van Royen's for, uh, a short stint was a little bit of a blip in that. Um, I'm trying to think what, what he was, the, the weekend special. That's correct, that's correct. But, but just generally, we've had top quality individuals, and I think that's been, you know, it's always played in South Africa's favour, the independence of the Reserve Bank and the quality of the governor. And that's what's held the RAND together, you know, that's what's kept investor confidence and foreigners' confidence in, in investing in South Africa. You know, and, and he's done a good job in, in, in blocking up the noise, the political noise, and just focusing on, focusing on his job at hand as is controlling inflation. You know, and it's fantastic that individuals like that get global recognition with uh, with awards like that. So it's fan it's great. And you know, just talking about the budget, you know, we've been very lucky this year to bring in a hundred billion more than than, than expectation. Um, you know, and and they've held the line on on, on wage increases. They've said they only want to increase public sector wages by three percent. You know, who knows if if that holds? But they have stated that and. For the time being, they're sticking to it. So we've got a little bit of wiggle room. We're spending at the right places. And we need to go to the market for less debt. So, you know, that just improves everything uh, uh, across the board. And then one last point is next year, we forecast to be in primary surplus. We haven't been in primary surplus for a very, very long time. And that basically means that our revenues cover our costs before interest expense. You know, so so... The long story short is we've got money left over to actually pay off debt because previously we had no money and then we still had to pay the interest expenses. So we were actually borrowing to pay interest and just adding layers and layers of more debt. So it looks like we, 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 we're getting to the light at the end of the tunnel and, and all else being equal, we should be able to move, move through it. So we are moving and the rating agencies are, are starting to acknowledge it and we've our outlooks have improved. Um, so hopefully we move from strength to strength and that filters through in all our asset classes. Have you got any view on the, the rumoured definite grey listing with these, which these guys said might well not happen because of Sir Ramaphosa's smoothing, smoothing yes. of the 
yes, of the so decision makers. So obviously, that decision of grey listing. Um, uh, so, 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 so the grey listing has has everything to do with anti money laundering and terrorist funding, and basically. The, the the body that uh, that decides these things have said we haven't got the right checks and balances in place, and um, they've warned us of a grey list. So obviously, uh, it's been the pol- politicians' job, and Cyril's been leading that effect, speaking to the people now, assuring them that we will have these things in place, and 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 installing confidence in them. So hopefully, he can he can rescue the situation. The reality of this of, of the the reality is, the market has already priced it in. So companies that need to borrow in the, op- in the offshore market are already paying the price for a potential grey listing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't think the, 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 the real impact on the street will be massive. You know, in our business, you know, we deal with international uh, uh, investments. We do have to step through a couple more regulatory uh, um, know your client type things. Uh, so we're already doing that. You know, we've got counterparties in Jersey. Um, who who require more documentation from us when we're opening accounts? So we we we're feeling it already. So it will be great. I think it will be it'll be a good uh, a, a star on, uh, on on Cyril's sheet if you can uh, if you can save us from from the grey listing. If we do get grey listed, you know I don't think it's the the, the, the end of everything. I think it's just uh, it, it's just another one of those things. It's a little bit disappointing that we haven't been able to to to, to step in line with global trends. Uh, for money laundering and, and, and anti-terrorist funding. They were also very bullish about the construction sector. What does this mean for your investors? Um, or do you not share their No, their no, no. I mean, so, I mean, we always use the example. So, you know, in the last time Cyril addressed the nation, he, he talked about what he was doing to, to aid energy supply in the country. Yeah. And he removed a whole lot of restrictions, one of them being uh, uh, allowing firms to, to generate 100 megawatts uh, without any documentation for themselves. Um, and they're starting to open much more uh, windows for, uh, for renewable energy. You know, just the, in the next 12 months, if those plans come together, it could open up almost 200 billion rand of investment within the country. And to put that into perspective, the current loan books for all the banks in South Africa is 1.2 trillion. So if that 200 billion rand was borrowed entirely from the banks, that adds 15% growth to the loan books in the banks, which you know create much more income for them and create jobs uh, around those institutions. You know, and, and 200 billion amounts to about one to two percentage points in growth uh, for the GDP. Mm. Um, so so just that. Uh, a block for energy could be big. Yeah. Then we're talking about a water infrastructure. There's rumours around that the water and sanitation uh, uh, ministry is also thinking about opening up to private business. Transnet needs to be fixed. Portnet needs to be fixed. So there's a hell of a lot of opportunities there um, if government can just pull the right levers and make things happen. So you know, the construction industry will definitely benefit. You know, they've had many years of, of poor performance, of loss-leading operations, um, and they've been absolutely decimated. Um, so, you know, it, it, would, it would be a great uh, windfall for them if it does happen. You know, and just general un- employment and, and economic growth uh, 
overall. What do you think his comment that Eskom will actually only be reticulation and generation and that will be done by somebody else, as in private sector, and not with government holding them down? Uh, I think that has to be the case. I think um, for too long now, uh, the government and the ANC have held on to that entire entity for whatever reason. And, and the reality is the generation side of it has been absolutely dismal. And it's been overshadowing uh, a, a very a competent uh, a distribution and transmission uh, business units. And, and those two units haven't been able to allow to shine because they've been overwhelmed by the debt burden that sits on the generation. So if you can remove the generation and, 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 and allow private companies to also contribute, you know, they control the distribution and the transmission, which, which you know, is still hell of important and will be a cash cow. And, and, it, and, it, and it's basically in line with international trends. You know, there's, there are national-owned energy uh, uh, generating units, but most of the generating units in the developed world are all privately, uh, privately owned or publicly listed entities um, which use the transmission network to, to get the power to their clients. So it, it's hell of important, and it's happening. I mean, we've already seen the debt move across uh, to the government balance sheet, which, which essentially was always quasi on the government yes. balance sheet. Um, and that will allow all parties now capacity to borrow and to do what they need to do. I mean, you know, the, the irony is the way our grid set up is, is now, it's set up to take power from coal-generated units to the big economic centers. The power, the coal, is in, is in the old Transvaal, the, 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 the eastern Transvaal, and it's right next to Joburg, which is where your, all your demand is. Renewables come from the northern Cape, the eastern Cape, and the western Cape. Yeah. So you need to change that grid to be able to take the power from those areas now and move them to where they're required. So there is some investment that needs to be made there, um, which will also be beneficial to the uh, construction sector. You always said that Thursday morning was a tough ride for you because of the golf course the guys would have given each other third-hand advice. Have you had any advice this morning? No, it's been quiet this morning, so I think the guys enjoyed the evening a little bit too much last night. But, uh, you know, we're always happy to take questions. We always encourage people to, to, to approach us if they have any concerns, you know. Um, and we try and tell a consistent story. And, and it hasn't changed for, you know, the last, I would say, this year where we've seen valuations, you know, just so low and the opportunities are there. Uh, and the, the reason valuations are low is because perception has been so bad. Yeah. So that sentiment needs to change. You know, and, and one of the sectors we really highlight is the property sector. And we just think that the property sector was just too cheap uh, uh, compared to what was transacting in the local market. And it's really, Are we talking listed property companies or just property in no, general? No, listed property companies. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it follows through to property in general. You know, we are starting to see occupancy rates improve. We are starting to see uh, uh, rents get negotiated in positive territory. Um, a lot of the property companies now are on top of their debt, so they're earning good free cash flow levels and paying out nice dividends to shareholders. And, you know, it was very interesting to hear uh, uh, Malcolm Charles, who, who does run the fixed income uh, fund at 91, start to talk about property again and as, as a potential opportunity for those guys because, you know, we like it for the capital growth now. 
But if they're seeing that the income levels are looking attractive, that just provides a double whammy for us. So it is an area we think is very attractive and definitely worthwhile looking into. So have you, are you full of smiles for 2023, 2024? Uh, listen, I think 20, the early part of 23 is going to be a little bit volatile. I think we're going to get to a situation where unemployment rate in the U.S. is finally going to go up. And I think the, the news wires are going to be going absolutely crazy with, with news about people losing their jobs. Uh, but I think for us, we look forward to that moment because what it means to us is that the Fed's job is almost finished. They've got their goal to weaken the, 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 the wage inflation uh, spiral. And the next stop will be uh, uh, reducing interest rates, which is going to be positive for the market. So if you ask me now, I would say... Going into February will be tough, and then uh, and then looking beyond that, I think we could see a very good year by the end of the year uh, with good appreciation across global risk assets. So, 2023 Christmas, we could be sitting around the bra talking positive things rather than just how Correct. tough it is to live. Hopefully, we, we, we're all eating chicken. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Liam. Always fun to talk to you. Thanks, Ted. Always a pleasure. Bye-bye.